welcome to The Daily Buzz. I'm your host, Grant Burningham. As the managing editor of the Tribune Politics team, I wanted to give you a bit of an inside look into the newsroom as our teams transition from the early mornings and the long nights covering the legislature to the midterm election races in Utah this year. Last night, reporters Brian Schott and Bethany Rogers covered the GOP caucus. You can find that story online now at sltrib.com. Democrats will hold their caucus later this month on March 22nd. This year, we'll focus on the race to June 28th, which is the primary election, and tends to be where many of the tight races are in Republican-heavy Utah. Then it's the November 8th general election. The Tribune politics team wants to hear from you. And what issues and candidates you'll be voting for or voting against this year, give us an email at thedailybuzz at sltrib.com. Next, politics columnist Robert Gerke had some startling details about what happened behind the scenes to change Utah's transgender sports bill at the last possible minute at the legislature, including some details on why the bill didn't drop until after 5 p.m. on Friday when the session closed at midnight. Robert, thanks for talking to us. Yeah, have me here. What was the transgender sports bill originally, and then what did it turn into in the last couple hours of the session there? Well, so last year, Representative Kira Berkland had sponsored a bill that would have banned athletes who were born male and then transitioned to female from competing in sports. Governor Cox didn't like that. He said he was going to veto it. She spent the, the ensuing year sort of meeting with Equality Utah and other groups trying to come up with some sort of solution. What she put forward was a commission that would take these specific measurements of, of, of an athlete's physical traits and decide if, if she's eligible to compete with the females. But then at the, at the close of the session, under some intense lobbying from the Eagle Forum and other groups, some of the senators who were originally supportive of that notion got uh, got cold feet and the votes started to slip away. And so you ended up with a group of senators who wanted to do uh, nothing, that wanted to not pass a bill to session, a group of senators who liked the commission, a group of senators who wanted a complete and total ban. And there really was no no majority in the Senate caucus on, on this. Senator Dan McKay came forward with a sort of a compromise or, or a, a solution, a hybrid that would bring people together. Uh, it started with a complete ban. And then if the ban was struck down by the courts, as he even he acknowledges it probably would be, as it has been in other states, then it would go revert to this commission. And so that was that was something that was in the works for at least a day before the close of the session. If they held it back from the public um, until the very waning hours of the, the last night. Uh, and it passed uh, the Senate 16 to 13 and was sent over to the House and uh, was was approved by the House as well. Transgender sports have been a hot button issue nationally. How many Utahns, how many Utah kids are actually in this situation? How many transgender student athletes are there? In Utah, uh, according to the Utah High School Athletics Association, there are about 80,000 participants in sports. Now, that means some athletes who are competing in multiple sports get counted more than once, but there's about 80,000 participants. Uh, there are four who have gone through the process of um, certifying that they've received the hormone therapy for a year, which under uh, high school activities association policy they have to do in order to compete uh, as, as a female. So, so four female athletes who have transitioned are competing. The really interesting thing to me about your article was the actual timing down to the hour of when they released this update to the bill. Can you talk about that? 
Yeah. So Friday, in addition to being the close of the legislative session, was also the deadline to, for candidates to file to run for office. And they didn't want this bill to become public until after that deadline had passed. And so there was an agreement uh, in the Senate to hold this back until after, at least after five o'clock Friday. Uh, Senator McKay ended up proposing it, uh, introducing it on uh, at about 8.30 Friday evening. Um, Democrats at the time insisted they had never seen this. They wanted a recess. The Republican majority refused to recess to let them digest this. Governor Cox said he wasn't approached uh, or didn't know about it. It was a surprise to him, uh, which seems uh, implausible, frankly, in my mind, because uh, if you want this to actually become law and you know that he's vetoed or threatened to veto a ban in the past, you would at least want to run it by him. So it's it's a little uh, improbable, I guess, that he didn't know anything about it. But, uh, you know, he insisted Friday night. Um, when he said he was going to veto it, that, that, you know, it was sprung on him at the last minute as well, just like the rest of us. So this bill presumably is headed towards a veto, according to what Governor Cox says. Does that mean the other part of the bill, which is the kind of panel which would measure an athlete to determine whether or not a, a child could compete with the girls, does that also get vetoed? Yeah, we're back to square one, essentially, at this point. So um, there, it's it's non-severable. So it, it, the whole bill would be vetoed. You know, they're back to square one, but there's also hurt feelings and mistrust now that wasn't necessarily there before. So I think what they've ended up doing is making it significantly harder um, to, to fashion a solution. I think the one thing they may have going for them, though, is that uh, other states are you know, in court now uh, litigating this, and they might have some more guidance uh, a year from now on what is and isn't allowable uh, according to the courts. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it, it was a lot of fireworks. Um, I think, you know, the, the Republican senators who voted for this and the representatives who voted for this will now go back to their constituents and said they tried to ban transgender athletes from competing. But from a practical standpoint, nothing has changed. All right, Robert Gerke, thanks so much for talking. Yeah, thank you. It's not surprising, given how tense politics are in this country, but it hasn't been easy to be a lawmaker this year. Many lawmakers and public officials have told State Watch reporters they received threats for their votes. Here's State Watch reporter Kim Bohorquez to explain the harassment public employees are also receiving around COVID-19 and election results. Since the 2020 U.S. presidential election, local elected officials from county clerks to school board members across the nation have faced an uptick of vitriol, harassment, and threats. Some say they are struggling to stem the spread of baseless claims of election fraud. Other local government officials told me the COVID-19 health crisis has fueled additional anger towards election officials and public employees. It's a trend that's also happening throughout the Beehive State. A study from the National League of Cities found about 81% of public officials surveyed said they personally experienced a form of harassment, threats, and violence. Utah public officials have noticed a clear rise in threats of violence, angry emails, harassment, and strangers showing up at their doorstep. One election official told me she'd reported the threats to state and national law enforcement agencies. Some public officials fear the current political climate could dissuade the next generation of public servants from participating in local government. You can read the rest of my reporting at sltrip.com. Thank you, Kim. Utah health officials said that COVID-19 cases continue to drop with just 100 new cases reported on Tuesday. That's it. If you haven't already, please subscribe to The Daily Buzz and let your friends know about the podcast. 
Thanks to the Tribune's Joel Cardenas for editing the Daily Buzz today, and much love to the local band, the Pelicans, for our music. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you tomorrow.